Hey, everybody. We've got a special announcement before the episode starts. Uh, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And uh, we've got some live events coming up. We do. We are going to be doing another... We're going to be hosting another screening with Rooftop Cinema Club in Los Angeles. Yes, indeed. And we're going to be watching Mean Girls this time on July 29th, on, which is a Saturday. Yes, indeed. If you're going to be mm-hmm. in the Los Angeles area and you want to see Mean Girls on the top of a... Uh, like eight-story building in downtown LA with a beautiful view of uh, downtown Los Angeles. It's 30 stories. It's We're, we're in the sky. And, uh, you know, there's going to be the movie Mean Girls. There's going to be us presenting it. There's going to be trivia, uh, prizes, drag queens. There's going to be lots of fun stuff going on. So if you're going to be in the area, go to RooftopCinemaClub.com for more information and check out our Instagram for a link. We're also going to put it in our bio on the Insta. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, if you're in town, check it out. But until then, here is our episode. If adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Indiana Jones. And the Temple of Doom. You don't believe me. You will, Dr. Jones. Listeners, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Pete, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. This is like a <laughs> roaring blockbuster. I mean, it is. For it's the a, month. It's a good old-fashioned blockbuster. It is uh, timely. It is. As we've got a new one in theaters now. Listeners, I hope you're ready. My name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And these, these are the movies, movies that made us gay. Absolutely. Just us today. No guests. Yes, indeed. And tonight... We are here to talk about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, directed by Steven Spielberg, released yes. May 23rd, 1984. Oh my god, I don't think of this movie from... I guess I never... Re- oh, wow. I can't. I can't even. Pete, this movie is out of control. It is absolutely... <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. So I have always wanted to do, since the early days of the show, since season one... Yeah. Early episodes of the show, I always knew I wanted to do a Temple of Doom episode. Right. Specifically, Temple of Doom. Right. We considered doing, like, kind of like Star Trek, of when we just kind of do a full fandom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I kind of felt it was appropriate just to concentrate on Temple of Doom. Yeah. And then we can reference any of the other movies in the sure. discussion. And why are we doing, uh, or why are we focusing on Temple of Doom? Because it is. Beefcake Indiana Jones. Beefcake Indiana Jones. <laughs> body by Jake. Indiana I mean, Jones. It was always my favorite as a kid. And we'll get sure. into reasons why. Sure. And one of them was, I mean, I mean, Harrison. Harrison shirtless. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 
and you mentioned before it, like right when we got into the episode, that uh, Indiana Jones and the, what, what the fuck is it called? The Dial of Destiny. And the Dial of Destiny did come out. It's like it's it sounds like a like a hand, like a bar soap. Yeah. Dial of Destiny. I don't the, know. The Dial of Destiny. Okay, so we'll we'll do our thoughts Get of our thoughts of that, that movie Mini sort recap. of maybe sort of later in the show towards sure. the end and what our hot takes on that were. But yeah. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. The, okay, so you, I, I yeah. don't think of this as, as coming out in 1984. I don't know why. Did you see it in the theater? Oh, hell no. You were, Yeah, you were a little too young. I was, yeah, I was a little, I was like first grade child. So, no, I was not seeing this, this in the theater um, for good reasons. Sure. There's no, there's no reason a five or six year old should see this. This movie in the theater, um, but I have s- memories of this of this movie just watching it at home, and we watched it so much at home, and we got to know it so well. Uh, and then Last Crusade didn't come out for six yeah. years. Six years? I mean, eighty nine. Eighty nine. Spielberg made like the color purple it took and a long time. empire of the sun in between it took a long time for the next one to come out and i saw that in the theaters i was already probably in junior high by that time so i was like okay so for a kid it was like this lifetime in between but also i just so yeah, exciting yeah it was very exciting when when last crusade came out but um i have more memories of this seeing this first just because it was at that time I'm that the same way. we had our Betamax player. Mm-hmm. My dad had the Betamax. And I often talk about my dad and my uncle. We would go to the video store and we rent movies. And this was a big one. And I think this was a pretty big early home video bestseller. Yeah, absolutely. And and we, like I said, we must have either recorded it off of, off of cable or done the daisy chain of the two vcrs and and recorded our own copy because we had it and i remember my sister and my cousin and i watching it over and over again it was the talk of the town at school um for various reasons not the least of which the uh dinner scene which we'll talk about that later to get to we'll get into that (laughs) but it was just this thing where this movie had this reputation among little kids as just being like fucking wild like this movie's hell yeah fucking mm-hmm. wild you have to fucking see indiana jones like this would have been like cannibal holocaust doom this would have been kids. like yeah cannibal holocaust for children yeah absolutely this is like the next best thing to like faces of death yeah this was like, like watching kids. hostel when you were seven years yeah. old Yeah, and then also like Time timeline gets muddled when you're that age. So it's like I have memories of short round, but I feel like I saw the Goonies first. You know, um, as an adult, you watch this and he does look so much younger than he looks in the Goonies. I mean, he's a kid. In I the mean, Goonies, a year and he's a, half, a little boy. A year and a half is a pretty big yeah, time in a, at that in age in a child's yeah, life that yeah. you do look like yeah. he does look a little more grown up. In the Goonies, yeah. He's in a the Goonies, little boy in, Goonies, yeah. in this movie. Um, but to me as a kid, I was like, oh, it's Data from the Goonies, you know. Um, and, and you mentioned that you saw the Goonies in the theater, right? I did. I did. Uh, yeah. Um, and I loved it. 
but yeah, the, this movie has has a kid in it, so that's another reason that kids were like, "We gotta fucking watch." So this, this was probably uh, one of was your everything. first introductions to Indiana Jones as a franchise. I mean, that wouldn't have been a word in the eighties, but as a right, property, as right. a franchise, yeah. it was probably Temple of Doom. Yeah, it definitely was, and I feel like when I did finally see Raiders. That also had a reputation for being scary because of the last scene of the movie where everybody's face is melt. Right. Um, So it kind of had this like lore, this little kid schoolyard lore of like, oh my God, there's never guess what happens. Faces melt off. Faces melt off. You see a skeleton and he's screaming. Yeah. But to me, that movie is a little bit more grown up. Right. I get that. And so I was like, oh, Marion, like, who cares? You know, um, and it didn't have a little kid in it, and, it, and the kid was was a goonie. You know, I was like, I need something to like lure me in as a five, six year, old, seven year old. You know, so I always had this affinity for Temple of Doom. As an adult, this movie oh is wild. Oh, this movie is crazier than you even remember what? being. I know, I know that like as you remember movies as you're a kid, yeah. sometimes things that you thought were scary, like some. That's E.T. Yeah. For some. That's right. why a generation does not like E.T. Because it was scary. And you watch it now and you maybe you would come around to it. Yeah. But this movie is... Oh, it is batshit. When you revisit this movie now. And it's not even the like... I know a lot of... Okay. Famously, this movie... Oh, well, it's there's a big debate. Hot debate. Did this movie invent PG-13? A lot of people say yes, it did. It was this, both Gremlins. This and Gremlins. Because they were both the summer of eighty four, right, 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 and so both Spielberg, so the, both Spielberg productions. Mm-hmm. But I know there's some debate as to like, was it this movie in particular? Was this the one that was? Well, was Gremlins was it? Both of them. Temple hand in of hand. Doom was May, yeah. and I believe Gremlins was June. So it so, was kind of a one-two punch of summer but of eighty four. The, the whole debate of that, of this is too scary. Is that like? I mean, there's human sacrifice in this movie. Molaram sticks his hand into the guy's chest. Pulls out his still beating heart. The guy survives. The heart bursts into flames in his hand. That shit's wild for a little kid. That's not the craziest part of this fucking movie. When you watch this as an adult and you're like, how in the fuck is this movie like not banned in like 50 countries? Well, they Which couldn't, it still might be today. They, they couldn't film in India. Yeah. Because some commission, this film, some film commission in India read the script and they were like, Hell no, you cannot make this movie in India. Take your ass to Sri Lanka where they filmed the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's not even the scary, intense stuff that gives me pause today. It's the crazy, like, casual uh, imperialism. (laughs) You know, the. the, I forget that. The colonizers are like. I forget little short round gets whipped. Sharon gets whipped. I do Indy, not. Indy backhands him mm-hmm. when he's like under the under the voodoo spell of like the drink the blood. Fully backhands. That was the part him. that got me is when you see little little well, data get whipped. He gets whipped by the child Maharaja. Well, so it's not like a big adult man. Sure. Is like and you know him, that still, was a remnant of I think a cut scene where where they're in the palace and the child Maharaja was playing with Indy's whip, and he's told not to touch it, uh, and he, like, he hurts himself. All right. And I think that he's told by 
by short round not to touch it. Okay. And it, it's like, I think that's calling back sure. that, and it just didn't make the final edit. The, the child Maharaja who is like, whose voiceover is dubbed by like an elderly British woman. Yeah. And that, like the- and that is also kind of racist <laughs> that all of the Indian actors, they dub over to kind of have British accent, British accent and dialogue well, that you I can mean, understand more. C- well, let's just put ourselves in the filmmaker's shoes and say, in the late 1920s, early 1930s, if anyone in India spoke English, they learned it from yes. British people. So they would have a British accent, but still. No hint of, like, an Indian accent. They're speaking perfect English. They even do it for some of the kids in the mines. Yes! That's what I'm saying! It's just wild! Uh, yeah, the, I mean, okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark is, does not get off scot-free. No. With the racism. Oh, no. Because there's some shit in Tibet. In Marion's bar. I think that there is an actor whose eyelids are taped down. Yeah. To make him look Mongolian. Like. I'm sure there is. I I really think that that's a thing in that movie. Um, But there's some shit in this movie that's fucking wild. Okay. But, But it's, as a kid, this movie was pure fun. Oh, pure fun. Okay. Over and over again. I didn't mind that Willie was screaming the entire time. I loved Willie as a kid. I loved Willie as a kid. Okay, so kind of going to my background with yeah. Indiana Jones. Sure. Hit me. This movie and also Last Crusade. So when I was a kid, probably around five years old, I would have been coming out of kindergarten, first grade, that we had this really cool babysitter named Tamara. Uh-huh. And Tamara would, would do all sorts of fun stuff with us. Like, she would take us on bike rides. We would go out to the pool. We would go do really fun stuff as kind of being babysat by her. And just kind of made a big impression. Did you call her Tammy? I think it was always just Tamara. She took you to do fun stuff. She took us to do fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember whenever we would go to her mom's house that I remember being introduced to this movie because they had the home videos specifically of... Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. Okay. And uh, and kind of when we would go to her mom's house, that was one we could kind of more vibe. Scott can watch <laughs> more TV than right. he would when yeah. he's regularly home because yeah. we were at her mom's house and it was kind of... Yeah. You're kind of... You're just kind of... Left to your own devices. Left to your own devices or just kind of vibe. Sure. And I remember watching this at her mom's house. Uh-huh. They had a tape of it. Uh-huh. Specifically, this one and Last Crusade. Right. That I loved both of those movies, but I feel like I would watch Temple of Doom the most. Kind of for all the reasons why yeah. you would love this movie as a kid. Right. Is that it's just pure fun and crazy. Yeah. I also have a lot of affection for Last Crusade, too, just because I would usually watch them, maybe not back to back, because I, I was probably not there all that long. Yeah, but that's, I would sort a, of, that's a good five I hours. would sort of trade off which yeah. one I wanted to watch. Yeah. And this one, I And you always up, wanted to be Allison Duty. I always wanted to be Allison Duty and Billy. <laughs> Willie. Willie. Yes, excuse me. Um, I mean, okay. So. Raiders, like I said, it, it felt a little bit more uh, grown up to me. And then I don't remember specifically when I figured this out. But I remember being at least a teenager when somebody was like, you know Temple of Doom takes takes place before Raiders of the Lost Sure. Ark. It was a big... And I was like, say what now? 
you just rock my world. But you, say, yeah. Say, What's the that? Say, the say what machine? And the only t- way we know this is by like a super that says the year. And it's like 32 or so. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. Forgive me listeners, but it's a, it's, it's the early thirties. It's a year or two before the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they, you know, the filmmaker said they didn't want to redo Nazis. Yes. As the villains, they didn't want to tread any waters that they had already kind of and done. Lucas has said that it, he wanted it to be a darker movie. The way empire strikes back has the dark second act of the star Wars trilogy. Also, when you look at these movies, of that anything that is crazy about them, George Lucas probably had his hands in it. Yes, yeah. Of it's that, all if they're, it's all George. It's all George. Yeah. Anything weird well, in these movies, you know what? Uh, what I, re- I mean, I, I had already been known this, but uh, I had read this a while ago. Um, a lot of the craziness from this one stems directly from the fact that. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, these two fucking men children. Film bros. Film bros are both getting are both getting in the middle of divorcing their first wives. So Lucas definitely was. I believe that Steven was still married to Amy Irving. But it was at the time. But falling I falling apart. I would imagine that they were probably not on great terms. I mean, who did he meet in this movie? One Miss Kit Capshaw. He met his current wife. His current wife. So the two of them are divorcing their first wives. I don't know if actually if they're their first wives. Don't quote me on that. But their wives at the time. And these are two titans of the film industry. They're reigning in New Hollywood. And they're like in their early 30s. Can you fucking imagine? Yeah. Right? And in like today's film landscape, if these two 30-year-old pricks came in and made these great movies that we fucking love, and now they're like, I'm going through it. My wife doesn't like me anymore, so I'm going to write this really crazy fucking I'm going to make this really crazy movie with this screaming woman in it. (laughs) So, I mean, if you kind of put yourself in both of their careers, Lucas would have just been coming hot off the Star Wars trilogy. Empire came out in 83. Yeah. And... I feel like no Jedi came out in eighty three. Yeah. Oh yeah. So That's it's over. It's over. Yeah. Star Wars trilogy is yeah. over. Jedi had just come out, and mm-hmm. Spielberg, I believe, was coming off of E. T. Yeah. E. T. and maybe co-directing a little bit of po- Poltergeist. A Poltergeist. Yeah. E. T. is eighty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, these guys, like I said, they're at the top of their game. They are creating a brand new. They don't know it yet, but they're creating a brand new trilogy, which becomes a quadrilogy, which then becomes a. I don't even know what you call it when there's five movies. Quintology. What are the What are the alien movies called? A quadrilogy. A quadrilogy. Well, I guess that's four. There's four. Yeah. There's. They just added the fifth Indiana Jones. Um, but you know, they're, they're creating a whole new franchise. They just, you know, Lucas just finished star Wars. Now they're doing this. Um, I know, you know, Spielberg's big thing is that he doesn't do sequels. It's the only sequels he's ever made at this time, at the time, at the time. So I was reading a little quote from Spielberg when reflecting on this movie. Mm-hmm. Cause here's the thing is that when you have a filmography as stacked as Spielberg, anytime a new Spielberg movie comes out, you always see a listicle, ranking Steven Spielberg movies. Right. And usually Temple of Doom is very low on that list. Yeah. It's usually towards the bottom. Maybe above Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull or something like the BFG or Ready Player Ready One. Ready Player One. 
But he says, Temple of Doom is my least favorite of the trilogy. I look back and say, well, the greatest thing that I got out of that was I met Kate. We married years later. And to me, that is the reason why I was fated to make Temple of Doom. Was that a read? (laughs) I mean, yeah. And I think that he would probably say, like, all that. All that crazy shit's George, but let let me let me say this: this movie starts out with a fucking Busby Berkeley old Hollywood yep. uh, song and dance number. Okay, so show tunes. I was like, reading about this the opening sequence on opening the sequence. musical number. Is that it was George's idea to start out the movie with a musical number? He wanted to do a Busby Berkeley dance number at. All of our story meetings, he would say, hey, Stephen, you, you had always said you wanted to shoot a musical. And I thought, yeah, that could be fun. And the musical was taken from the development of another movie. The writers, and the writers of this movie are uh, Willard Hicks and Gloria Katz. That, um, another movie that they were Another on? movie that they were okay. developing with George called The Radioland Murders. And a... Oh, that, that came out eventually. And it came out eventually, and they kind of took the opening scene of that movie and they put it in the Temple of Doom. I script. always felt that this song and dance number is so is so like self-indulgent. Like of Steven Spielberg. It's so self-indulgent, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I mean, love it. <laughs> it's so stupid. But but it's just like who else but Steven Spielberg? I don't know. I think like him just saying like, "Oh, George just said, wouldn't you love to do this?" And then I was just like, "Sure, whatever. George, I'll just do it." Steven s- secretly wanted to do it. Come on! Mm-hmm. And in that particular style, with these women, with those wigs, and the and the reverse shots and diving in the, it's something oh, that probably oh. at the time critics, critics and audiences probably rolled their eyes at. But I think if. A filmmaker were to do this now, they would probably be raked through the coals. Oh, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I think it's really self-indulgent. And I think Steven Spielberg, I feel like, just takes himself a little like, what? Don't you think that's funny? Like, haha, like aren't I just like aren't I just so like clever, like for for including this? It's the thirties, isn't it? Um You can just tell that as they were doing dailies to this movie that they would just look at each other in the screaming room. And just like smirk at each other and like high five of like look at look at what we're getting away with. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, granted, in the old uh, big musicals of like the black and white golden era, the melodies era, of how, uh, like the melodies of Broadway. Um, in those movies, they didn't make sense. It wasn't like sure. this shit wasn't just happening in these people's lives, right? It so doesn't have to say, be organic like, to the plot. Willie is is this nightclub singer in Shanghai club Obi-Wan I believe it's Shanghai wink wink club Obi-Wan this is another thing that you know before Easter eggs were a thing before you know you could pause your VHS or your Betamax and that's where people found out about this stuff but for the most part that kind of thing just kind of was a flyby but okay Willie is a nightclub act in this Shanghai club she comes out in this beaded gown. Obsessed with the dress with these, as a kid. With these dancing girls behind her. So it's like this whole number, which she's not in because Kate Capshaw, God love her, probably isn't a trained dancer. 
Because she's not in any of it. So we think it's, it's all chorus. We think it's up for debate what language she is singing. Oh well, I'm going to get to that. But what I'm saying is, she walks out from like their little backstage area and is singing "Anything Goes" ostensibly in Mandarin. Um, and then it cuts to this whole fantastical musical number and it's like okay what is this obviously this is not taking place in the club this isn't the backstage area but you know you think back to your even white christmas you know suspension of disbelief audiences back then wouldn't have cared they didn't care it's just this is the the musical number that we came to see that we paid to see so all right i get that i still think it's very self-indulgent and i still think steven spielberg was like i don't know i didn't even really want to do it but you know george wanted to do it so there it is if you were that like flase da about it, this shooting this shit probably took oh, yeah. what weeks, months mm-hmm. to shoot this. And he's just like, oh whatever. It was just this funny little thing that George and I just thought about. Oh haha. George said for me to do it and I Put was a just lot like, of work okay, into it. Okay, whatever. I guess I'll do it then, George. Ha 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 ha. What? How many how many dancers, how many weeks of preparation and production went into this? Little, like, funny little thing. that This little anecdote that's in, like, IMDb trivia. That's why I think sometimes Steven Spielberg, I'm like, shut up. That's why I feel like every now and then I'm like, all right, dude. You can take your fucking chinless list. <laughs> that's why I think him and, and, and George are, like, 32, 33 years old making this movie just like, we are unfucking touchable I can shoot a movie of you taking a dump in a bucket and slap Indiana Jones on it and people will come oh my and gosh. see it. The library is open with <laughs> Steven Spielberg in this movie. It is it is the Temple of Doom episode after all. <laughs> okay, maybe you didn't think that. But I, I, I think they were a little bratty. A little bratty. But you know what? I love Steven Spielberg. Uh, Ready Player One notwithstanding. Um, so, okay. So, so Willie is thinking anything goes. I guess in Chinese. And the, sure, uh, we don't really know officially. I, and I think it's on some of the. Do you remember when the DVD set came out? Of course, I. It was when I was working at the movie store, and I ordered it special. Special, and I ordered it in widescreen. And we had the poster hanging. In we our, had the poster hanging in up in our old and... apartment for years. It was <laughs> yeah. right behind Pete yeah. when he would do his work calls. That they would just mm-hmm. see the home video. 2003 release yeah. of the Indiana Jones yeah. trilogy. Um, that was a great box set. That was the height of, that was like the renaissance of like special edition DVDs. They come on a separate disc. Full of, full of chalk, full of documentaries, all that stuff. And I believe in one of those, somebody somewhere says, oh, we, trans- we translated it word for word. You go on Reddit and you Google, like, hey, hoes, what the hell? Is, is she really singing in Chinese? Can somebody figure it out? And a, and a lot of the people on there are like, okay, here's the deal. I can kind of hear these words in there. And if I were to kind of write down what she's saying, it somewhat does translate into the lyrics of Anything Goes. But it doesn't make sense in, in like, Mandarin or or Cantonese, I forget what dialect they translated it into. But they're like, they kind of probably went in, got each word. It's like a Google Translate. Sure. They phonetically translated the words. And so it's like the sentences don't make sense. Yeah. 
backward. And they you know? weren't going to put in the work to properly translate it. Right, right, right. Um, and then also now Kate Capshaw, an English, a native English speaker, is saying and speak and uh, singing these words, right? So not only is she phonetically, you know, spouting this out, but she's singing it. So it's also a little bit more because I with like Asian languages, like Chinese, Mandarin, and Cantonese, all those languages, like it's all in the um, like enunciation. It's mm-hmm. all in the, in the how you pronounce things and in, in the you know where you put the emphasis on things. And so I think if you get that wrong, you get a lot of – and then singing throws a whole new monkey wrench into it. So that's why I think like native Chinese speakers are like, I think it's words. But (laughs) some people are like, no, it's nothing. And some people are like, no, 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 no. I get it. I hear this. I hear this. And when you put that against the lyrics, then it starts to make a little bit of sense. But it's not perfect and it's kind of – and it's kind of cuckoo. It's kind of cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you heard of the pitched ideas for the second movie? Of the wacky ideas that George Lucas had before they before, before they, they settled. settled on the Temple of Doom. I think I read something about a haunted house. So uh, in one of them, Lucas conceived of an opening chase scene. Indiana Jones would be on a motorcycle on the Great Wall of China, followed by the discovery of a lost world pastiche with a hidden valley of in, inhabited by dinosaurs. Love it. So it kind of like Why he would have he would have discovered like this lost world. That's too much. That's too much. Uh they did do that in my favorite movie Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. Oh sure. They I mean, do they do find the lost world with full on dinosaurs in it. I'm sure that George Lucas fucking loves that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Another idea was to feature the Monkey King as a plot device. However, okay. however the Chinese okay. Authorities refused permission for them to film in the country, requiring a different oh, setting. Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah. And <laughs> you also, can't film in China. You're not doing Monkey King. Lucas wrote a film treatment that featured a haunted castle in Scotland, but Spielberg felt it was too similar to Poltergeist. And they ultimately did a little haunted castle so they situation. Switched, so they sort of transformed that to a demonic temple in India. No, but in, uh, in Last Crusade. There's that bit. Oh yeah, in the there's castle. there's yeah. a little bit. Yeah. when they and aren't they in Scotland? When they go to, I think that they're in Germany. I think oh, that they're in Austria. They're, yeah, they're in Germany because. Uh, but it's a, it's a rainy castle, and that's the like, fun scene like, where you see uh, Harrison really really queered up <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> well, I mean, they're I was supposed gonna, to look at look at the tapestry. I was going to talk about. Yeah, he does. He does kind of camp it up in that. But I was going to talk about in. Okay, it's just so funny that I feel like Raiders does a really good job of establishing Dr. Jones and Indiana Jones, right? You get a lot of that at the beginning. Dr. Jones is when he's teaching he's an archaeology at the university. Professor. He's an archaeology professor. He's the hot archaeology professor. These girls are hot for teacher. They're writing on their eyelids. They're writing on the eyelids. The one gay boy gives them the apple at the end of class. Like, and it's, and he's there and he's got, and he's just in his full, like, you know, college professor outfit. You don't really get that in this movie. No. Until we get to the palace in India, we get to Pankot Palace and now he comes out in his full Dr. Jones drag. And it's like, (laughs) now it looks like a costume. Now it looks like he's cosplaying as, as, as Dr. Jones. Um, 
And it's fully, it's fully like drag at this point because in in this entire, I mean the the big opening scene, he's in a he's in a tux. But. And this is definitely the opening scene that would be in a Bond movie, right? Of right. that we're opening on a nightclub. We are kind of getting in this Indiana Jones story. Well, okay, if it's you like, it's if like you want to take it, yeah, I was going to say if you want to mm-hmm. take it to George Lucas and what he really thought was fucking genius about all this shit. And he did it in Star Wars. You're jumping in mid-adventure. You start in the middle of an adventure. And these these Saturday afternoon serials, you know, they what all is, did. What does Annie Wilkes say? Didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. I know that. <laughs> or like, what does is, what is James Conn say? Uh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> serials. I know that, Mr. Man. Yeah, so he, you know, so he... I, that's kind of his whole gig. He did it with Star Wars. He's doing it, he's doing it with these. And it's fun. It works in, in this movie, giving us this adventure that Indy's on. You know, he's got his, his poor friend who gets shot. Yeah. Um, I was reading kind of an interesting thing that they cut from the movie and the original script of when they're getting on the plane and the scenes that follow. Uh-huh. Little Short Round says, well, I booked three tickets. And he says, oh. it's just going to be two of us. Sure. And that was the guy that and it was kind of like shot it was kind of this sad little moment where they reflect on their friend dying. Sure. Um, okay, so this <laughs> we said this movie's fucking wild. It's it's crazy, and you I don't know if you forget, but we often forget. We'll we'll be watching these movies, and we're like, Indiana Jones just threw a flaming shish kebab. Did he just harpoon that guy? And harpoon that guy? Is he? I mean, he's really gonna have to leave the country. <laughs> he cannot come back. In the middle of a busy- And you mentioned for the new movie that you see some civilians that work with Dr. Jones die. Oh, my and God. And that seems like, that seems like, holy shit. It's rough. Like, that seems rough because they're just kind of innocent bystanders. Yes. I guess that they're not villains, like, in these movies. But yeah. in that movie, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit about the new movie later on. But it was, it was, it was a lot with, with the... People just getting straight up murdered for no reason. Um, I think in this one, they made in these earlier ones, they made a lot of effort to all the people that were getting killed. I mean, Indiana Jones, you know, he the, the uh, he's trying to get the antidote to the poison you just drank. I love that. That's classic. An antidote in the blue in a little vial. vial. Like every poison has an antidote. Like, come on. Um, But it's classic. It's like it's a it's a classic scene. We love it. Um, And so Indiana Jones is is dying. He's in the middle of being poisoned to death. So okay, he's gonna he's gonna harpoon a guy. So is Billy dating one of these nightclub owners? I think Willie is dating Willie. Loud. Why do I keep calling her Billy? Because it's. It's like I'm going Willie, for like Willie with a B. Billy Holiday. It's the or same something. thing. I mean, Billy and Willie are Willie. They're all the same like name. Yes, she's with Lao Shea, who's like the main guy, who's trying to get Nerhachi. Nerhachi's a really small guy. <laughs> um, yeah, she's with Lao Shea, and that's why Indiana Jones feels like he can use her as a pawn because that's that's his girlfriend, and he's like, "Fuck her, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Give me the diamond and." Nurhachi. Um, and then those are his sons on either side of him. So the one that gets harpooned is one of his sons. And then the other one that shoots him with the, with the Tommy gun while he's behind the giant rolling gong. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, this opening scene is 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 a lot, but it's it's really fun. I mean, you get the like falling through the um the awnings like Catwoman right in the uh, the getaway car driven by little driven by short round little Kihu Kwan. Yeah, okay. Oscar winner <laughs> Kihu Kwan now. Yeah, absolutely. Um He's so good in this. He's so cute. He's so charming. And it's a dynamic that I think could have gone really disastrous. I mean, there's a lot of racist shit in this movie. But oddly enough, they kind of nail that relationship. That it kind of works. Okay. It kind of works. But he also, he called, okay, short round is cute. Um, But it's like, did did you give him a name like, like, like the dog? Is he, is he is he like a pet? I don't know. <laughs> um, is this like his little companion? Where? <laughs> okay, let's. Does he, is there something in there about Short Round's parents? Yes, they were yeah. killed in when the okay. Japanese were bombing Shanghai. Okay. I think. Okay, so 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 Indiana Jones has taken him in. And he, and was, like, he, he was like he was he was a pickpocket. Yeah. All right, all right. But yeah, I feel like there's there's a little like okay. There's some white savior stuff going on in this movie. Sure. It's there. All right. But I do think that Harrison Ford and Kihui Kwan are so good with each other. Yes. That it works. It works. And, you know, he's just such a charming screen presence, especially as a little kid. I also think it works that he just has that accent. So he's not doing an Asian accent. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's not an American, American-born... Right. Uh, it's right. not an Asian-American kid well, doing an accent. Well, you know, I do, ha- I do hate it on television shows or movies when they'll get a little Latin boy or girl, and they'll have them, like, speak Spanish, and you're like, they, they don't... That's not their first language. Yeah. This is bad. This Don't make this poor child. Don't make this poor mm-hmm. child speak all this Spanish that is, is clearly not, you know, <laughs> comfortable for them. And so, yeah, and or, or doing accent work or something like that. It's like, no, this is this is this is this little kid. This is his personality and this is all it's all him. Um, so, yeah. So thank God they didn't have just a, a child who English was their first language come in here and, and mm-hmm. do an accent. Um, but, yeah, he's just he's just a charming little stage presence and he's just so good and they're so good together they're they're just funny together um and he's got funny lines and calling him dr jones and you call him dr jones lady and all that stuff like we love it and short round and willie kind of get a little relationship going on towards the end they're kind of little sidekicks yeah as the movie goes on um so they're really funny together especially towards the end when they're both kind of damsels in distress at at certain points even though short round can hold his own but you know he is he is a, a child um but yeah um you know this this shit starts off really really big really fast and um it's kind of a star wars a new hope structure too because we don't really get the macguffin of the stones and the titular temple of doom until like Almost 30 minutes into this damn movie. Well, yeah, I mean... Because we get all of the all of the shit on the plane, and them getting in the, in the, in like, in the boat. The raft? In the raft. 
Yeah, uh, I mean this this shit is like set piece after set piece after set piece. It's like we have the huge fight in uh, in Club Obi Wan. Then we've got like Dan Aykroyd putting him on the plane. Then it's like the plane's crashing, and then they jump out of the plane in the raft. Oh my goodness! Then we finally get to India, and then it really becomes white savior because it's like oh, yeah. all these Indians can't help themselves. But Indiana Jones, who speaks every language on Earth. Sure. Understands every language. Knows exactly where they are. Oh, we're in India. How do you know we're in India? Because there's a big Indian man sitting in front of me. You could be anywhere. Does didn't necessarily have to be India just because that dude is standing right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just love that Indiana Jones just kind of like Rosetta Stone. He knows it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think every now and then, Indiana Jones is big thing, and they really start laying it on thick in uh, Last Crusade is everything belongs in a museum. You know, not everything belongs in a museum. Something, some things belong maybe back in the country where well, that's where they were plundered. Well, from. that's well, that's well, that's how this movie ends <laughs> is that he brings the stones back to the village. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I think that's some imperialist shit right there. I think that's oh, some colonizer yeah, shit right there. Oh, this belongs in a museum. Does it? Does it? Maybe just take it back to where you, where, where you plundered it from and leave it with them. Though They can put it in a museum or they can leave it where you found it. I just feel like the whole, like, this belongs in a museum. I'm like, mm. I mean, he's called out as a grave robber in this movie. Yeah. So at least it's kind of touched upon. <laughs> And Willie calls him out on that shit, doesn't she? I think I feel so. Like Willie calls him out a lot on that kind of like, oh, you're just looking for fame and glory. And all okay, that. so talking about Willie, uh-huh. and I love any '80s film that's set in the past, just because even when though the ladies this, have perms, even though this movie takes place in the '30s, uh-huh. Kate still has her '80s perm, yes. looking like my mom <laughs> in the '80s, which I love. Yeah. yeah. How does Willie that shade of blonde? That shade of blonde, that <laughs> perm, those curls. Yeah, where does Willie stack up in just sort of the the heroines or femme fatales of the Indiana Jones movies? Um, who's your favorite? I mean, we can kind of briefly talk about all of them. Sure. I mean, I think Marion's kind of like Marion's badass, the best. Marion's the like, best. And she it's like, why they bring her back. Runs a bar in fucking Nepal and like drinks this Sherpa under the table. Karen Allen and, kicks like, ass. Yeah, yep. and it's Karen Allen, and she's so like she's just she's just great. Like she, especially in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Karen Allen had in the eighties and even the night. You know, just her her look is a very kind of a youthful look. She kind of has like a baby face. Like she just looks like a young woman, right? Um, no matter her age, kind I just has a, I just think kind of has a Margot Kidder. I think Margot Kidder too. looks like an old lady next to Karen Allen. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I, yeah. I think I see it in the voice. The voice, yeah. But um, I think Karen Allen has a very youthful thing going on for her, and um, to be this like like young girl that's like holding her own with Indiana Jones, and that's good that they put that in the first one that she wasn't a damsel in distress. Um, and I mean, obviously, she kind of became the template for like this kind of character for like the your Rachel Vice in like in in the Mummy, you know, kind of a thing. Oh yeah. Um, but I think uh, Marion Ravenwood is just kind of like the most well-rounded 
of of them. She had a relationship with Indy when she was a teenager. Well, here too, there's also that story yep. that you have to like really. There's lines in there where she talks about like. I was just a kid. So I was reading that Spielberg wanted to do, when he did the sequel, he wanted to do Marion and her dad. Okay. Too. So he he wanted to write her in the sequel. Yeah. Which I think, why wouldn't you? I feel like you don't need to change up the girl in each movie. But then I guess when they were like, okay, it's going to be a prequel, then maybe it could be a different girl. And we're going to follow the Bond format where it's a different actress in each movie. Yeah, yeah, And I guess Allison Duty doesn't count because she turns out to be a villain. Well, I guess that they they put it on its head. Well, and also she's a villain, but I think the character in the performance is complex because I think that this bitch will do anything to get... Right. That grail. Yeah. Even yeah. if it means, like, uh, jumping over to the Nazi side. Right, right, right. Yeah, and she is fierce. She looks sad when they're burning all the books. <laughs> that's what, And that's what kind of makes me think that this is a complicated character. Okay, all right. Love Allison Duty in that movie. I used to think that she was so pretty. It's kind of a bummer that that actress really didn't go on to do anything. Because when I rewatch it now, I think she's pretty good. Well, did, was it a thing that she did a lot of movies in, like, I don't know, in like Germany or something? Because isn't she actually, like, not oh, American? Oh, I just assumed that she was British. No, I think she's fully, like, a... Here, let me look that up. Like, a, um, like a Diane Kruger type. I think she's... I think she, I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm, mis- maybe I'm mistaking her for a Diane Kruger. Um, she is born in Dublin. Oh, well, sure so she is from Ireland. She's from Ireland. I remember us walking time? out of the Burbank Mall after we saw RRR. Oh. And you were like, bitch. <laughs> that was Allison Duty. That was Allison <laughs> Duty from <laughs> The Last Crusade. And we were gagged. Yeah. Because her character in RRR, <laughs> I remember sitting in the theater just being like, oh, this bitch is fierce. <laughs> this, like, pumped face. This pumped face in this movie is set in, like, the. Yeah. Is set in India. Mm hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that was wild. This movie is set in India in the olden days. In like the 50s or something, or even before that. I don't even know. Was there electricity? <laughs> I don't remember RR that much. Um, other than wrestling tigers. Uh, yeah, but I... Set in the 1920s. Man, I remember my sister and I going to see Last Crusade and just being like, that movie was so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like walking out just like, holy shit. That was it. That was the one. Like, that made... And I remember at the time, everybody was like, oh, it's it's Spielberg making up for Temple of Doom. It's his, it's their big apology for Temple of Doom. We knew Temple of Doom was a piece of shit, so we made Last Crusade even better. I don't know. Well, they got back <laughs> to sort of the ancient artifacts. Right. MacGuffin plot device. Okay, so for all of these movies, they all center... Well, I mean, we didn't finish our conversation Uh of talking about all of the... The Fierce Ladies. The Fierce Ladies. I mean, we got to give a shout-out to Kate. The the other Kate. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. (laughs) I love her in that movie. (laughs) As uh, Katinka Inga Bogova (laughs) na-na-na-na-na. Oh, wait, no, that was from Zoolander. (laughs) What is her character name? Katinka Inga Bogovina? No, 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 no. Let's see. 
But anyways, something Russian. Kate's super fierce in the Spalko. movie. Irina she's, Spalko. She's one of the. She. I mean, she's one of the best parts of it. Yeah, and I stand she by. She understands what the fuck movie she's and in. And I stand by Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think the first twenty minutes are a party. Everything <laughs> after Mutt is kind of not great. It all it all goes downhill after that. Okay. All the stuff in the desert, like the atom bomb testing. I even don't mind the fridge. When he gets nuked in the fridge, but you're not I, about I don't the, mind that. But you're not about the, like, uh, Indiana Jones ride vehicles, like, chase through the jungle? Yeah. The separate tracks. The you separate, mean separate roads that separate are right, roads. right next to each other? Right next to each other in the and, jungle. And Shia LaBeouf swinging from vines like Tarzan? Mm-hmm. Tarzan? Yeah, I mean, Crystal Skull is crazy, but okay. We need to talk about when we get to India and uh, they are served dinner that was prepared by, oh my God. by Klingons. This scene. I mean, this of everything that is probably sh- should have been rethought. So, okay. The dinner scene. So, let me, let me just say this. First of all, that Klingon joke, solid. <laughs> Didn't get a laugh from you, but it was good. Um, I mean, if if Indian cuisine is known for anything, they're fucking vegetarian. Yeah, for the okay. most part. Okay, so I you'll was... get some chicken in there, but that's about it. <laughs> so I was reading today that apparently there was a line in the script. I don't know if they shot it and it got cut. That Indiana Jones does comment on that. That he was like, I don't know who. These people are, but they're definitely not like true Indians because that was not authentic Indian cuisine. So I don't know what the fuck is happening in the. So palace. this is all the the thuggy cultists, yes, that are eating snake surprise and giant bug, bug water, entrees, water beetles, and chilled monkey brains. And chilled monkey brains. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, this okay. All right. Okay. Well, they talk about the thuggy cultists at like in passing in the dinner. But like they're just kind of explaining to us the audience that this cult exists and human sacrifice and and it's kind of like this ancient folklore in India and all this stuff and I think it's pretty apocryphal how they do kind of represent it. I mean, obviously, this shit, they're, like, pulling hearts out of people's bodies. Um, But it's interesting to, I I mean, it's all played for a gag, Mm -hmm. obviously. But, yeah, uh, the the big snake filled with, like, this is is Klingon food. This is not, nobody nobody eats this shit. (laughs) But this is a scene that, as a child, on the playground. Oh, we'd love to talk about it. Everybody was like. Everybody loved it. Did you see Temple of Doom? Did you see the monkey brains? All that shit. Like, the eyeball soup? Eyeball stew. Eyeballs. Are they human eyeballs? <laughs> I don't know. Are they, are they goat eyeballs? I mean, there are very many cultures, Latin American, Mexican culture included, where a fucking goat head is in the freezer. At Indonesian. Moment. Yep. You know? Um, and so we are not... Uh, you eat every part of the animal. We're not averse to seeing... Uh, whole animal's face in the kitchen chicken feet do i partake in a chicken foot or a goat eye 
No. But do some people in my family? Very much, yes. Um, Nia Vardalos talks about eating the eating the lamb eye in Big Fat Greek Wedding. That her, her uncles would chase her around with the eyeball and said it makes you smart if you eat it. It's a it's a it's an ethnic thing. Do we have eyeball stew? No. <laughs> Insects as well. Bugs. Mm-hmm. We were in Mexico City. All those crickets everywhere. The the, the fried crickets. They had buckets full of them. Mm-hmm. I also just, think it's a big Australian thing is to, like eat, chips. is to eat crickets. Yeah. Bugs are, you know, and, and that's a lot of cultures. But that big ass bug and taking off the, the carapace, the belly. Like, we lost it. Like, like we lost it of the, the big fat guy that's sitting next to Willie. The big like of Super Mario. Just, like He looks like Wario. Yeah. <laughs> he looked like a, like, a, like a silent era cartoon villain. Like he should have like stink lines should coming be, out of him. He should be chasing Mickey Mouse or something <laughs> with, with white a, gloves with a giant <laughs> blade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, a curved like a scimitar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He looked, he looked insane. Um, but yeah, but the, but this shit, it's like, okay, we have like Indian dancers and there are these ladies doing like these like. Indian dances, all right, that's cool. Like, there's a guy in, like, a Nehru jacket, I guess. But then we've got the crazy dinner. And then the whole thing, too, with, like, I don't know if it's necessarily, like, racist or whatever, but just to get things incorrect, like, Maharajas and, like, that kind of stuff. And it's, like, I don't know. It's like saying, like, like Native American princess. Sure. Like, I don't know. Is that really a thing? And I think that was a big comment that, the Indian, the Indian government like, had yeah. on the script were yeah. stuff like Maharajas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That if you're going to be doing this movie here, you have to take it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is intriguing in this movie to see this like foreign culture and they're like, Oh, where's the Maharaja? Does he have a wife? Like, what do you call his wife? Is he single? Is he looking? And then here he comes. It's a little, it's a little kid. Okay. That's, that's a good gag, but you know, is it culturally sensitive? Maybe not, <laughs> but I was just thinking about it last night as we're watching it. You know, we go from Club Obi-Wan to the plane. We fall out of the plane in the boat. Now we're going down the little river. We make it to the village. And we make it to the village. Once we get to Pankot Palace. Sets up the MacGuffin, which are the stones. These stones. It is like non-fucking-stop. Oh, yeah. It really cranks up the dial. It is at a gallop after dinner. once they get there. After dinner, Indiana Jones almost gets killed, and he finds the like underground like tunnels in Willie's like hotel room. They never come out. Nope. Until the end of the movie, mm-hmm. they're underground in the Temple of Doom for the whole second and third act. Of the I movie. feel like when I was a kid, those scenes in Willie's bedroom, I used to lose patience with. There's a misunderstanding. They're kind of doing an old screwball comedy routine yeah, yeah. of will they, won't they? Well, she thinks that they're going to do it, but he's looking for the secret passage because he was just almost killed, it's but me. she doesn't know I'm it. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's like, but they're not like communicating. Okay. It's cute. I see it, but you're right. It is. It's a frustrating scene, especially to kids who we didn't get that. We don't have this. We don't get sexual for, tension or and all that stuff or farce. Yeah, <laughs> you know we're not like connoisseurs of like farce comedy. Yeah, um, 
But yeah, it's crazy. Once we get once we do get to the actual temple of doom, and we get the villain of the movie, Mola Ram, who, like you said, we don't see this motherfucker until like forty five minutes into the movie. Armish Armish Puri, I was looking on yeah. his IMDb in over three hundred movies. How do you like that? I read Screen Legend of India. I read apparently that, that they went to him and said, "Hey, you want to be in this movie?" And he said, "Sure, let me finish these eighteen movies I'm making right now." I can knock them out in a few months. That's Bollywood for you, man. Yep. That's like a whole different kind of like film industry. There's also a lot of crossover with uh, Gandhi, apparently. A lot of mm. a lot of actors that were in Gandhi. I mean, surprise, sure, surprise. Sure. That when you're an Indian working actor right. and you're a name, and you're probably going to be in the Gandhi movie. Let me also say this. I am saying Bollywood, and maybe I'm not being culturally sensitive. Uh, I know that there are very many different um regions in uh south uh what is that southwest asia south asia mm-hmm. where uh you know bollywood um originates and it's not just bollywood there's a lot of different ones and they are all different and unique to each other do they all so have specific names they do okay. a lot of them have different types of names like like i think bollywood comes from uh like ben- bengali like movies Okay. So they said, okay, Bengali movies and Hollywood. So they came up with Bollywood. But then there's like, other ones. So if Mola Ram does not come from the Bollywood system, I apologize. I don't know all of them, but I know it's a very large film industry and there's lots of different regions. Roshan Seth is also a really famous actor. He's still alive, actually. He's I the mean, guy in the Nehru jacket yes. that, that is talking to Dr. Jones when he's in the full Dr. Jones. He's track. the one that, that calls him a grave robber. He was uh-huh. in Gandhi. I remember him from Street Fighter ah. when I was a kid. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just kind of a I was more a of a working, Mortal Kombat guy. A working actor from India sure. that you saw him cross over in a lot of American movies. Okay, okay. No Ben Kingsley in this one. Philip Stone, who is – I think that he's one of the generals. You might – Listeners, you might remember Philip Stone as Grady. I was going to say that's Shining. Grady from The Shining. Yep. Yeah, he yeah he's the he's the white devil. That's like, is he in on it? Yes. Does he know what's going on with the with the cult? Is he trying to kill steal all these children? So okay, the ultimate storyline of this movie is that they get to this village and there's no children in the village. They're all gone, and all of the children's parents have prematurely aged because all these actors. Are senior citizens. <laughs> that's just my that's just my hot take. I was like, all these people are crying for their for their seven and eight year old kids. They all look like great grandparents. All late in life all. babies. Yeah. Um, okay. So all the children are gone. The thuggy cultists. What is their? Oh, they're digging for some. Oh, they're digging for the stone, the fourth stone. Yeah, because they have three of these these. Stone. Is there just one from the village? The village has its own, I think. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask a really stupid question, and I don't think that I have ever known this. What do the stones do? I don't know. Don't what is this MacGuffin? Questions. Don't ask me these questions. I don't have the I mean, I to. guess that's why they call it a MacGuffin. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. Is that it does not matter. Yeah. What matters are yeah. what matters in an Indiana Jones movie is just all of the action set pieces. That right. he's pursuing. Right. Absolutely. Here, let me see. Okay, so the stones are called... 
Lingam stones, Lingam Sankara stones. Five. Okay, Jones agrees. To, uh, stone is one of five Sankara stones given by the Hindu gods to help humanity fight evil. And the Thuggy cultists, they have three stones, and they've abducted the children of Mayapur, using them to find the remaining stones. Who are they worshiping? Because I know that is real. Kali. Kali. Kali is the and god of the I would imagine that the actual Kali from India is probably nothing like how it's depicted. Oh, in no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But, you know... <laughs> Okay, do you know what I just read? What's that? There is a very large, um, like, thuggy cult guy that Indiana Jones has a fight with on the conveyor belt. Yeah. It's like breaking the stones. He gets, uh, he gets smushed. He gets smushed by the conveyor belt. Looney Tunes style? Same guy that he boxed in front of the plane that got... I kind of thought that last night. Yeah. I thought that they might be same the same. Guy. I thought they might be the same actor because yeah. it's pretty much the same scene. Professional wrestler Pat Roach, okay, plays the thuggy overseer in the mines whom India has a large brawl with. He rec- he previously appeared as a German mechanic and a giant sherpa, so he's also in the in the bar fight okay. with Marion at the beginning. He plays two characters in in Raiders. Is he in, in any of the other movies? Uh, doesn't say here. I'd have to look at his. Um, his full IMDb. But uh, yeah, just kind of looking at some, some fun casting stuff here. Dan Aykroyd, we said he's he's briefly there at the beginning. And I remember that because Ghostbusters was also 84. And my sister and I were obsessed with Ghostbusters. And when we kind of put two and two together watching, she goes, it's Ray. And we're like, oh, shit. We rewound it. We're like, it's Ray from Ghostbusters. I feel like I found out about that until late. Amy Fed figured it out mm-hmm. as kids. Yeah. Um, and did you read about who some of the actresses that read for Willie? No, I was trying to find that out today. Who? Old Stoney. Sharon Stone? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially at this time when she would have been making canon movies. I mean, mm. she was in like the canon films knockoff version of these. Yes. The Alan Quartermain. With, yeah, with um, with Richard Chamberlain, Wil- Richard Chamberlain, with Will Chamberlain, mm-hmm. <laughs> featuring Cassandra Peterson yes. as like a fierce, like she was she? she was like the Mola Ram, she was mm-hmm. like the evil priestess of the second Alan Quartermain movie, but I think her role got drastically reduced. Um, but yeah, it said over 120 actresses read for it, and they found. They found good old Kate Capshaw. Kate hadn't really done a lot she, up until this movie, too. She, like, pulled her Powerball ticket that day. Yeah. Well, I mean, Amy Irving, I think, has one of the biggest divorce settlements in history, oh too. God. So I think that Amy I mean, you can't. Amy Irving, Irving also kind of made out like a bandit who from is that the, marriage. Who is our favorite um, Instagram account that posts a lot of, like, Glenn Close stuff Dublin Dublin Zoetrope Dublin Zoetrope Mark Dublin Zoetrope or is it Ain't No Disco that refers to AI as Amy Irving 
That's he'll funny. do. He'll put like an AI picture, and it'll be like, "I asked Amy Irving to show me what Glenn Close would look like with her Oscar." And they did the po- they, they did the AI pictures of. I think that's a. I think that's a Mark post. People who didn't. Yeah, yeah it was Glenn. It was Sigourney. I think that's. I, I yeah. think that's Dublin Zoetrope. Yeah, I think it's Dublin Zoetrope. And whenever and he did he's done a couple of AI stuff, and and each time he'll he'll say, "I asked Amy Irving to." Mark also just <laughs> Mark also just posted. Um, I like. <laughs> Uh, this won't make your kid gay, but the uh-huh. opening the opening scene of the Temple of Doom will. I mean, not wrong. Shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's a fun little number, and it's like, okay, why is this white woman there in China singing? You know, who knows? But it's fun, and she, and she's wearing a fierce. Okay, so you talked a little bit about the dress. I love the dress. Love the dress. My dress from Paris. Apparently, this dress was a big fucking deal. Did you read about this dress? No, tell me about it. There was one. Oh, so you have to be careful with it. There was one, and it's all hand stoned. Did yeah. you stone that dress? Someone stoned that dress. Mm-hmm. It was all everything hand-stoned. was probably individual. Yes, and there were shots in the movie in India where it's wrapped up like a package. Yeah. And they're it's, carrying it with them. It's how them. she gets on the plane. And it's the dress that's wrapped up like that. And I guess an elephant or something was like fucking with it. And he tore some stones off of it. Mm-hmm. And they actually didn't shoot anything goes until last. And so it's on the back and they had to like kind of fix it. And they were like running out of stones. I guess it figures that they would save the opening sequence to last. Yeah, but I like that it's uh, it's like it's got the Mandarin collar. It's got short sleeves. Oh yeah, it's I used to short, love it. Short cap sleeves, um, and then she's got her little like Minnie Mouse gloves. Okay, so is the Billy action figure going to be? <laughs> is it going to be the dress or is it going to be the tuxedo? Yeah. The tuxedo look, or is it going to be? Or is it going to be when she's going down the pit? Okay, I think there could be many, like Queen Amidala. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have the, the dress, and that's like the fashion doll that you can't take the dress off. That's going to be the one that I'm going to be begging my mom for. Yeah, um, there's going to be one that is has the tuxedo, but it also comes with the pajamas, and you can change it into the pajamas of the tuxedo, and it also have little like walking stick bugs that you can like put in your hair mm-hmm. and then there'll be a separate one of the human sacrifice that has like the the marigold like lays okay that. so there's gonna be a little drawstring malibu stacy style <laughs> what are all of the things that she's gonna, <laughs> what say? She gonna say you just put a hole in my dress i just got from paris, from paris. uh we're not flying we're crashing yeah <laughs> give me your hat I'm gonna puke. I'm gonna it. puke in it. <laughs> yeah, um, just a scream. Yeah, many <laughs> screams, multiple screams. Yeah, yeah. I hate that elephant. So I was reading that there was supposed to be a scene of Willie bathing, and she sees a snake, uh-huh. and Kate was so scared to do the scene because she didn't want to work with the snake, that Spielberg said that they just cut it on the spot. But there's a sna- but she grabs the snake over her shoulder. Yeah. There's a shot Well, in the there movie. was that, but there was supposed to be a, like, a longer scene 
of her bathing. Well, this one's worse because it's like touching her and she grabs it and throws That's it. That's probably why she didn't want to do the other yeah. scene. Ugh, but yes. yeah, they cut it on the spot. Okay, okay. That- I do like when uh, she's getting scared of all the animals and they're just throwing any- they're just throwing like raccoons and like armadillos at her. A great horn now. <laughs> <laughs> they were just getting any animals that their animal wranglers could find. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Raccoons. A possum. Yeah. There's like a squirrel like eating a nickel. Did you love the scene? If, okay, I mean, just creature feature in Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> a huge staple of it. Uh-huh. And the movie famously has the snake scene. What did you think of that as a kid? Which snake scene? The big snake scene. <laughs> where they're getting dropped in the pit. Where, oh, in Raiders. Where the Ark is, yeah. Oh, in Raiders. In Raiders. Oh. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, I love that scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was it's cool. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, but the, the thing is, these movies have just taken on this life of their own as being bigger than anything. They're Indiana Jones movies, right? So they have these, like folklore behind them they have like oh did you know it was club obi-wan oh did you even know it was a prequel oh did you know when he's face to face with that cobra you can see the glass Mm -hmm. like all that stuff and i remember going back and watching it and seeing like oh you can see the glass like Mm -hmm. when the when the cobra he's face to face with the cobra and it's not a composite shot he's in the room with the cobra but there's a piece of plexi in between them and you can see like reflections in it they've Remove the reflections on Disney Plus. Yeah, I was going to say I don't think the Blu-rays you can see the reflections. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the problem on the Blu-rays are gone on on the digital copies and on Disney Plus, the reflections are gone. So now it looks it's a more of a clean. It was always a clean shot. Yeah. You really had to look for it. I wonder if my DVDs you can see it. it might be on the DVD. It might be. Um, I think I still own the DVDs too. Or, I think I they're think there. I, I think we still have them. I think they're there. Um, but yeah, they all have these like these these folklore kind of like little bits and pieces of things that we like that kids on playgrounds and schoolyards talked talked about and and um yeah, these movies were so larger than life and they were just part of like each kind of like new generation of kids had one to like to love as 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 they grew up because they were kept making more. I think that most kids were probably most freaked out by the big scene in the temple where he rips out his heart. Yeah. That's that's the big one. I think that's the one that parents were like, this is too much for kids. Maybe if kids didn't necessarily get scared by it, parents were like, what the fuck? Like, I brought my kids to this. And they're like, you're ripping a heart out of this guy's chest. And it's still beating and it bursts into flames. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's it's crazy. Um you know, uh there's a whole thing about like they make you drink this blood and if you drink the blood then you become like the zombie and then you have to like because the whole thing is like Molaram is there and he's doing this human sacrifice and he's like showing all these people and it's like who are they? Who is he showing? Yeah. What are they like you see, like, the main lineup. What's the deal? Of, you see the main lineup of all the guys from dinner. Yeah. S- standing down but front. But they're, like, in, but they're on stage with him. Do you know what I mean? He's, like, presenting this to people. How does Indy know this? Because yeah. he knows what it is yeah. when they're watching it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. He just knows. He knows all. He knows about the, the cult. Uh, yeah. That is where the term thug 
comes from. It really does. It comes from the from the thuggy cults of of India. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, because these thuggy like people, they like were I don't know what they worshipped or whatever. I didn't read that much on it, but these like thuggy people, like a group of people, they were kind of known for being like kind of like outlaws, and they were just kind of like kind of like street gangs. Mm-hmm. And so it just became like this loan word that they would call thugs, people who were like ne'er do wells, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of like that's where that word. That's the root okay. of that word. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, how accurate anything in this movie is yeah. to what that really came from? Who knows? But Indy's there. He knows what the hell's going on. But okay. I mean, okay, and this is when we've. Get all of the Harrison in that body, yaddy, yaddy, and Harrison shirtless. So you know, as a kid, I never really put two and two together of like, oh, he's like shirtless this entire movie. But he really kind of is, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they and they talk about it, and it's a real thing. Like he got a trainer and yeah. was like, I'm going to be shirtless in this movie, so I need to bulk up. And it specifically was. Jake. It's Jake. Body, body by, by Jake. Jake. Yeah. I remember the Jake infomercials when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> that you you can you can obtain this too. He's a trainer. He's a trainer to the stars. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about Harrison Ford in this movie is like he looks really good. Like he doesn't look too he's not too pumped. No, he doesn't he have still that looks attainable. He doesn't have that crazy Marvel body. Yeah. No. He one doesn't did. like he didn't get so like you know when the the Eternals came out and yeah. Camille Nanjiami Camille, yeah. got really ripped. Yeah. And it kind of didn't really sit that well on him. I mean, I thought I think it sat fine on him, but it didn't really get used in the movie. I think it looked crazy. It it looked crazy, but I mean he just looked like he got pumped. But it didn't even like a lot of good it did him. Yeah. Because it was in like two shots. Or when Zach Efron made Baywatch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just anything post Baywatch. But yeah, these are definitely those moments when you're a little gay boy and you're watching this <laughs> on video. Yeah. And you're looking at Harrison just kind of being like, I think I'm a little different from the other Harrison boys. Ford is interesting because even as Han Solo, even when he was in his early 30s, still to me just came across like... I feel like Harrison Ford has always just been like a good 43. Well, I mean, Harrison Ford's story is really unusual when it comes to Hollywood because he didn't start making movies until his mid 30s. Right, right. When he start when I mean when he made friends with George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola, I believe the story goes he was a handyman for Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. He was his carpenter. Yeah. And then he just started to go to acting auditions when Francis and all of his friends were doing movies, and then uh-huh. he got American Graffiti, uh-huh. and it all just kind of snowballed from there. Right. Um, but I'm just saying, I feel like he's always looked mature. Um, well, yes, he was. Well, that's because we we weren't introduced to him until he was in his mid 30s. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, and he was already married and had like kids at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, but even so, like, even I feel like he's still even in Working Girl, even in like. Like later on in the nineties, I was like, he's always just looked a good, a good forty-two. Um, but yeah, I mean, he definitely looked very. Uh, I never really noticed it that much as a kid, but now as an adult, I'm like, okay, 
there's there's a marked difference in his appearance, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting that this movie takes place before the events of Raiders. But you know, we don't like to talk about that. Yeah, but it works. He's shirtless the whole time, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. He <laughs> he's got his his Indiana Jones uniform. I do th- I do think, and it's like uh, obviously these movies are fantasy. They're fantasy movies. It's like this larger than life character. But every now and then you're just like, how many of these shirts does this man have? Yeah. This hat would be this hat would be This hat would be destroyed. destroyed. He's never he's never just left this hat anywhere, too. He this almost left like... it in the in the in the, the room where the, the this ride has the most in common this ride. This movie has the most in common with the ride. Yes. And the ride is officially called Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. Or am I confusing that? The Forbidden Eye's in there. I think it's the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. The Temple of the Forbidden Eye. Sponsored by AT&T. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when that ride opened? Yes, I do. I think that, I, I mean, that was an early Disneyland trip when I was a kid. Probably one of the first big times that we went. I remember getting on the Indiana Jones ride, and I think that it had just opened. Okay. It was um, 95? It was 95, I think. Okay. I'll always will always remember the video that you watch when you're standing in line. One of the best theme park line lines like ever. Yeah, the queue. The queue when you're walking yeah. through all of that. We love the video that you watch as you're about to get on the ride. Sure. Jonathan Reese Davies does it. And there's a special appearance from Sean Young. I maintain to this you day maintain that. that Sean Young is in the video where they tell you to put your seatbelt on. Do you think that they just cut it up? Don't look in the eye. I think they and, did. And you don't see it anymore? They did. So it premiered as Temple of the Forbidden Eye in March 3rd of 1995. But it has since been renamed to the Indiana Jones Adventure. Okay, sure. No, okay, I'm wrong. It's Indiana Jones Adventure colon Temple of the Forbidden Eye. So it's still there. But you just refer to it as writing Indiana Jones. Yeah, you just call it the Indiana Jones ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They recently did a refurb of the ride, too, that every, pretty much everything is working on it, Bitch. too. Yeah. That was like, that took me back, first of all. We, it's just, like, we just did it with Donovan and Brian. It's a thing that, you know, you go to Disneyland so much... That's when things stop working on rides, you kind of forget. And there's so much shit on that ride. And there's a lot going on on that, that ride. I feel like towards the end of it, before the refurb, a lot of that was not working. The yeah. snake would never jump out at you. Yeah. Sometimes the boulder wouldn't come down. Yeah. When you did that, I want to say the animatronic of Harrison sometimes wouldn't work. When he's standing by the door. Yeah, I would just yeah, be a little lethargic, be a little lazy. Um, Sometimes the rocks and the and the hot magma weren't always. <laughs> there was fully like lit. Some, there was like projections on smoke of like rats and bugs and things. Sometimes the projections wouldn't turn on things like that. But I'm here to tell you, we got on that shit and it was brand new. Yeah. I got thrown around on that mofo. Definitely needed like, our seatbelt with that one. Ooh, this was a good one. Yeah, do not get on this if you have back injuries or are expecting a child because <laughs> you will get thrown around that ride's so crazy because it's like what country are you in 
the country that worships uh, Mara and the Forbidden Eye. I think it might be South America. It, it, the temple itself looks a little... Um, where did Angelina Jolie get those tattoos? Peru? No. No? No. Nepal? Oh, Cambodia. Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Cambodia. They look, it looks, the temple looks Cambodian from the outside. Sure. It's got those tall kind of cone, but there's parts of, cone but shapes. But there's parts of that ride that sort of look a little South American, though. I mean, talk about a pastiche of cultures. Uh, Mola Ram in the middle of India in Pankot Palace has uh, a voodoo doll yep. of Indiana Jones uh-huh. in this very movie. A voodoo doll. They're like audiences won't care. A vo- with a p- and the little the little Maharaja, little Prince Maharaja boy. The pin that he uses is like a long pin and it's got like a jewel and like a feather at the end of it. It's not just a pin. It's not a knife. It's got like a long like a peacock feather. It's a like, girl, really. It's everything have to be like bedazzled. Um yeah. Full on voodoo doll. And it works like Cartoon voodoo doll. Yeah. Like, pokes him in the back, and he's uh, like, ah, oh, my back. Yeah. Like, fully, like, Teen Witch. Like, going through <laughs> the car wash. Like, it is a Teen Witch level of, of voodoo doll. I mean, doll. at least top three voodoo, sol- voodoo doll scenes in movies. <laughs> I would say closely followed by the climax of the Witches of Eastwick. Oh. And, and the third being Teen Witch. Yep. All right. Classic voodoo doll cinema. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are cultures that participated in human sacrifice. Mayan culture, Aztec culture. Hawaiian. Hawaiian culture, to name a few. So, you know, it's not out of the question that this is, you know. And this is a, a, this is a, a, a branch, an offshoot. This is a cult. These are bad people. These are not like... You know, you're run-of-the-mill, like, Hindus. So, I go, I don't know. This human sacrifice situation, it's insane. Why are they sacrificing people? They never tell us. Yeah. Are we appeasing Are we Kali? Are, are we appeasing Kali? Sure. Shiva, I don't know who we're and appeasing. apparently th- this palace is built into a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, this palace is like, yeah. But you know, it's like Doctor Evils, of like, just like how Evils. when you're a kid and you watch these movies, like, that clearly lava. There's a lot of stuff that you're like, oh yeah, this checks out. Yeah, sure. There is just liquid hot magma, Doctor I mean, Evil style. Uh, yeah, I mean, this at is, the center of this palace. This is something. This is something that millennials have talked about for ages. When we were kids, we knew that at some point in our life, you needed to know how to get out of quicksand. Yep. You needed to know <laughs> lava was going to be somewhere. The floor, is, the floor is lava. The floor is lava. We 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 knew how to get how to how to how to avoid lava at all costs. There were things that 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 movies, television, books kind of taught us that we were going to have to encounter at some point in our lives. Would we ever encounter a mine cart race? <laughs> I feel like everything is building up to this mine cart race. Yeah. Of that we have to top all of this shit and how are we going to do that? 
a minecart race. Now, is there something in the trivia where this was a holdover from Raiders that they just didn't get around to it? Maybe. I mean, I'm kind of shocked that something like this they could even film. Of that, yeah. when you see this in the script, yeah. they weren't like, oh, we got to cut this. I don't know if yeah. we're going to make this work. It's when I watch it now, it's giving. I, I um, think it's successful. It's giving speeder chase. Sure. In on Endor. So I'm thinking there might have been some probably stop motion, yeah. go motion. Phil Tippett might have been involved somewhere. Um, yeah, I'm. It's it's definitely giving me uh, the the speeders on Endor and that kind of like it looks real enough, but it also looks like there are some shots where I'm like, okay. I mean, they used all of the ILM guys for the visual effects of this movie. It won the Oscar. In 1985, for visual effects, yeah, sure. believe that uh, John Williams' score was also nominated. Be, be Gremlins. I don't think Gremlins was nominated. Wow. Hmm. Um. Yeah, but that mine car, and and that was a thing when we found out there was going to be an Indiana Jones ride. It's like, well, is it going to be mine car? Clearly, it's going to it's be the mine car. Ride. It's got to be yep. mine cart. You know, there's uh, that video that you found where that where that guy was like. I felt like I was a Six Flags. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome because that was in Texas, right? That uh, that that uh, video of people outside of the theater. Yeah, I think so. And one of the guys was like, "It was great. I saw it three times. I felt like I was at Six Flags." We'll have so to I we'll have it. to post some of that. It's a man on the street news broadcast about the opening day of the Temple of Doom. Yeah. And just sort of interviewing audiences as they walk out. You got some concerned parents <laughs> with some upset kids that didn't like it. You got your teenagers that was like, I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't see it in the theater. I was too little. But I, I, I do know that I watched it over and over again. Um, this uh, kind of capping off our visual effects conversation. Oh, sure. That it was nominated with 2010 and Ghostbusters. 2010, the year we made contact. 2010, the year that we the, the year that we made contact, and Ghostbusters. And Ghostbusters, and that's it. Some beautiful match shots in this movie. Ghostbusters has some beautiful shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some great special effects in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Strong year for visual effects. But I do think that this movie has more. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know if that means you, you'll win because you got more. There is some great mat work in this. There's some. I like yeah. that mat shot of. Short round in, in Indiana Jones when they're in the village. Well, there's a lot of a lot of the best mats in this movie are things that are not big special effects. Yeah, you know the set shots, pieces. The there's shots just of the really beautiful paintings on glass, probably that just look amazing. And they could not shoot at an Indian palace, so they oh. had to make a mat of it. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um, and that's interesting that there were only three nominees for special effects. Yeah, that's how the early four. categories yeah. were. Yeah, it was a, it was a new makeup a, was the same way. A new uh, a new addition to the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. special effects and, and effects makeup. Yeah, so there were just less less nominees. Um, but yeah, Ghostbusters does have some really beautiful match shots. A lot of really great special effects, but but this is definitely more of a of a wow kind of a, a piece, especially with that that minecart race. And when that water explosion comes out of the side of the mountain, and they're like 
on the ledge there. It looks really good. Yeah. Like it's it pretty really cool. Good. Yeah. Um all of the bridge stuff is great. Yeah. That little That <laughs> shot of Harrison on the bridge too. Who mama. When he's about to when he's about to cut that bridge. Chop it down. Yeah. I mean that's the money shot right there oh, of all of the hard work that Harrison had to do <laughs> to get that body. Well, there's a lot of shots of him tied up. Yep. There's a lot of shots of him, you know, in some sort of bondage with his arms raised up, his his hands bound. So there's a lot of arm, there's a lot of Harrison Ford upper arm work in this movie. A lot of pit action. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so uh, you know, it's it's all it's all there for us to see. So um so J- Jake did his job. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't really kind of he probably couldn't like say like Hey, look at Harrison Ford. You want to look like this in the infomercials? I think that there was a picture of Harrison. Oh, Because okay. I think that he would talk about that he was a celebrity trainer. Oh, work. All right. And I, I, that I think that up. they had a shot of Harrison for Didn't this movie. Didn't Jake die? Oh, I don't know. I think he did. <laughs> I think he did. I'm going to look up Body by Jake. We need our interns for this kind of stuff. Um, what was his name? Jake. Jake Steinfeld. Jake Steinfeld. Wikipedia's. No, he's still oh, alive. No, he's alive. He's still alive. What am I thinking of? Okay, so what was his big? Uh, what was his? Like a catchphrase? What was his big thing? You know, like oh, Haley Steinfeld is his niece. How about get that? out of town, <laughs> Uncle Uncle Jake? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember what his um, Did, uh, l- catchphrase because you know, were. like like Suzanne had the thigh master. Mm-hmm. We'll have to look. Okay, up so he had a really big home gym that you would see in a lot of these okay. infomercials, and it's this. Okay, like look at this picture. Yeah, I had it's like a body by Jake Ab Scissor Exercise Workout. It's an, an abdominal crunch machine. Okay. I'm here for it. Was it was like an ab machine. Yeah. I think he had quite a few things. A total body trainer. I remember the total body trainer. It's, it's kind of like a bow flex type of machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, All right. Work body by Jake. I mean, but that's the thing. He is like a big bodybuilder. And we see he's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type, like huge body. And he didn't go that route with Harrison. And I think that was probably very smart to just be like, okay. We're just going to make you he super fit. He is a archaeology professor. Yeah. In college. Can't be that crazy big, you know. Um, Looks really good at the shirt off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah love it. Sexy nerd. <laughs> And Dr. Jones drag. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, this shit is Okay, wild. so before we get into the discussion of the new movie, is there any, like, last reflections on Temple of Doom? Um, I think Kate Capshaw kind of gets a bad rap for this movie. I think Willie is a fun character. Yeah. And I love all of her stuff with Short Round. And she does and really good Short comedy. Round. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I think that she's really nailing the comedic beats of the script mm-hmm. that uh, maybe maybe a little underrated of when yeah. people reflect back on this. Yeah. Totally. Totally. They never write Billy or Willie back in. 
No, they don't. I think that there might be a picture of her in the fourth movie just on his desk, and I think that's it. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes people come in and out of our lives. He just had a, a, a fling with the showgirl. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have definitely have noticed with people our age, kind of the mid-30s to 40s range, that uh-huh. people do have a soft spot for this movie. Yeah. That grew up on it. And they'll always say, you know, I always knew that it was not the best Indiana Jones movie, but it's the one that I like to watch the most. Yeah. And I think that's, by and large, that's sort of my relationship with this movie. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, We did talk a little bit about Crystal Skull. That movie's insane, but I think uh, Kate is... Kate, oh, Kate's doing some solid probably work there. The best, the best part. Of I it. remember when I went to that movie in the theater. Mm-hmm. I walked in like ten minutes late. Oh no! I walked in mid chase scene of when they were in the warehouse. Oh, that's late. Yeah, that's late. For I mean, oh. I mentioned before that the first twenty minutes of that movie are a party. Yeah. Um. You know, it's I don't know if you haven't seen it, it's worth. It watching, is what it is. But, it's yeah. pretty dumb. Yeah. And it's we the, did just. It's, it's the Indiana Jones alien movie. Yeah, which which makes sense if this is a if this the is a Saturday matinee. That's what they were doing in the fifties. And the craziest thing to me about uh, Dial of Destiny is the fact that timeline wise, Doctor Jones. It's not too far. Doctor Henry Jones. His name Henry. I think it's Henry. Doctor, he named the dog Indiana. Named the dog Indiana. Dr. Indiana Jones, the person, right, if he's that age, in the 30s, like, yeah. If he's this age now, it would be the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit's Believe fucking that wild. The movie... like, to, like, the 1930s and the 1960s feel like such... Yeah. So far away from each other. I mean, the early 60s versus the late 60s seem far away from each other, yeah, too. Yeah. And I believe that Dial of Destiny is late 1969 because the astronauts are doing their world yeah, they tour. Yeah, they just landed they on the They just landed on the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the end of 69. And, yeah, again, that makes sense for the character and his age. For however old Harrison Ford is now, like, against... Indiana Jones's age. That's that's insane to me. It's like holy mm-hmm. shit. That like wow, the 20th century was wild. So, did you like Dial of Destiny? I um I had some problems with the pacing. Okay. I had some problems with uh Phoebe Waller-Bridge, is that her name? Yeah, I think um, so. I didn't really care for her character. Uh, I don't really I have an some... attachment to her. I know that she has no, a big I following. I from... watched Fleabag. I know that she has a big following from Fleabag, which yeah. I have never watched. Right. I know that she's kind of the the cool person's actress that think that she just has a big following from that show. I also did not care for her. Right. In it. Um, I had a problem with the villains, just like willy-nilly, just murdering everybody. There was a really cool, like, Foxy Cleopatra character that worked for the U.S. government that was trying to, she was trying to, like, capture them at one point. And I was like, 
oh, she's going to turn around because she's good and she sees that these guys are being evil and she's going to turn around and we're going to have a big redemption with Fox and Cleopatra at the end and she's going to come in and she's going to save the day. Nope. Nope. They get rid of her pretty quick. Spoiler alert. Uh, But yeah, there were some crazy like stuff with the villains that I was just like, oh, that was way harsh, Ty. Like, what the fuck did... Like, why are you bringing this movie down? Like, this is an Indiana Jones movie. You don't need to be, like... You don't need to be... Doing all that. You don't need to be murdering the office assistant. doing all that in the middle. Like, no, this is too much. Um, So... So I had problems with it. So you didn't like it? Uh, I had problems with it. I, I, I... Harrison was good. Good... Played good, crotchety old man Indiana Jones. That was fun. I like this idea that, like, we know that he's Indiana Jones and that he's done all this cool shit and that all these people are just like, yeah, old dude. Our like, crotchety old boring. college professor that's, abo- yeah. that's about to retire. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um... The whole, like, Dial of Destiny thing. The thing is, there is a real Antikythera device. It is not what... (laughs) Yeah, I think that was my biggest problem with the movie, is that I think these movies are so... I mean, sometimes to a fault, built on their MacGuffin. Right. Of that it's what drives the story, it's what revolves around it. There are more stakes, I think, to something like the cup that christ drank from the holy grail or even like the ark of the covenant yep that i don't think that i really felt in this movie i mean sometimes it can work like with temple of doom you really do not give a shit about those stones but i think that just sort of the action set pieces make up for the movie but there was just something about the titular dial of destiny that i thought was so half-baked by the writers that you could tell that this was a script that they had probably just handed off so many times and who fucking cares about the dial of destiny and you could really see that (laughs) in how the story was plotted because i was just like and what's okay so it's supposed to manipulate time but with mathematics but somehow you have to be at geographical coordinates <laughs> i am not following this yeah it's not actually manipulating the time it's pointing to you where it's being manipulated but how did that even start to begin with yeah i'm pretty sure our friends that keep it weird have talked about the actual antikythera mechanism um it's this thing that they found at the bottom of the ocean somewhere in the mediterranean and it's this device and they pull it up and it's made of metal and it's so rotted and corroded that they're just like, what the hell is this? Well, they start doing, like, x-rays on it. And they find out that, like, this shit is complex, right? It's more complex than it should be for the time that it was ostensibly, like, created. And I think ultimately they've figured out that it's some kind of a calendar. Okay. It can it can um, predict, you know, the seasons changing and you know eclipses and things like that. Um, but what if and it's they've kind of been to time? Yeah, yeah. But what if? And this movie, it's not that one. It's one like it. It's an Antikythera device, not the device. You were sounding like Rachel Weisz and, and the Mummy. 
<laughs> the the Hamanatra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um it's it's interesting that they used a real thing, but yeah, this thing is just kinda like It just seems so half baked to me. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't think even the writers of the movie knew what the fuck it was. <laughs> I liked all the stuff with Toby Jones. I thought he was yeah, a very the fun Toby character. Toby Jones stuff was good. It was fun. What did you think of the first 20? The fr- I mean it was probably the first 30 minutes. Yeah, that which was, a lot. was the DH Harrison Ford. It was a lot. I thought it looked great in the trailer. There were certain uh, shots of it, but there was also shots of it usually in motion where it looked a little wonky. Well, that's what I'm saying. In the trailer, and the trailers are Fast shots, quick cuts, you know, not a lot of static stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I saw it in motion, and especially when he, and this is the this is the kiss of death with these deep fake or or de-aged characters, when they start talking, is yeah throws it off. Yep. Um, I stand by Rogue One. I think. Grand Moff Tarkin looks amazing in that. Leia looks a little weird, though. Leia looks a little crazy. But Leia is also a young woman. And She's is not a, an old man. And maybe is a little bit more recognizable. Mm-hmm. And maybe her skin of a younger woman I is think just that, harder to manipulate. I also about. think that for Tarkin in Rogue One, that they got an actor that looked pretty similar to right. that yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, to Peter Cushing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you know it's it, it's it's a difficult thing, and and especially when it's somebody that we know so much, and we have hours and hours of real movies to say that's not what he looks like, you know, like with the Luke Skywalker stuff. Yeah, um, the DH Luke Skywalker looks kind of crazy sometimes, um, but I do think that the Peter Cushing uh, in Rogue One is kind of the best example, and I yeah. know a lot of people hate it. So it's like if that's the best example, I think this one was it, – it works in some shots. It doesn't work as well in others, and it got distracting after a while. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that some of the stuff the, – some of the shots of Mads Mikkelsen was a little bit more successful. But then there were some shots of him that that was crazy. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I say watch it. You can wait till Disney Plus. But yeah. And by the looks of its box office performance, I'd be willing to bet that it will be on Disney Plus by the end of the summer. I think it'll be on Disney Plus by October. I'm going to say September. Oh, 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 oh. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, watch it, but I wait didn't like till it. it's VOD. Yeah. Crystal Skull, baby, it's better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's a there's a nod to Mutt in there. We won't give too much away. There is a big last act reveal that I will not give away mm-hmm. on this episode. But honestly, by the time we get there, it's like two and a half hours in. Fuck. And this movie was so you long. You really just want to go home. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was so long. Like, I think that maybe had the movie been trimmed down... 20 minutes yeah i think that last act reveal would be maybe a little more effective yeah yeah i agree but you know i don't know uh, i hope it's the last Pete, one. i have a feeling that this property is dead i think it's i think, I it's, think it's gonna go by the way of the terminator i think it's done yeah. i think i think it's i think it's gone for good yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and there is also i mean we i mean we love harrison ford we have kind of sung his praises for a lot of this, but there were certain shots of him that we were like, Mama, Harrison's looking old. Is this elder <laughs> abuse at this point? 
<laughs> let the man let this, sit let, down. Let this poor man rest. Yeah. I mean, that shot of both Harrison and Jonathan Reese Davis Davies when they're at the airport. That I think that was when I was just like, no, Ooh. you can, you no, you cannot go. <laughs> you are too old. <laughs> you stay home, bitch. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But um, I mean, at, at least we have the original trilogy. We have our box set, and they all just got added. To, I mean, were they on Disney Plus all this time, and they just made a big splash page for it? I don't know. And I think that uh, Paramount has them, too. Mm, yeah, yeah. So if you're, I mean, if you're lucky enough to be in California or, or Orlando, not Florida, just Orlando. Um, oh, no, Orlando doesn't have an Indiana Jones ride. No, they have the weird so dinosaur ride. They have the dinosaur ride. Which um, I, no. I was not about it. I know that that ride does sort of have a lot of nostalgia for certain people that grew up going on it, but yeah. no, give yeah. me Indiana Jones. No, it's better. It's better. Yeah, if you can come to if you can come to Disneyland, and uh, if you're a, a a surgeon or a some kind of a rocket scientist and can afford to get into Disneyland in 2023, get yourself on the Indiana Jones ride. Um, Post haste because it's a lot of fun, uh, and it feels the most like Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. When you're on it, it's all the score from Temple of Doom. It's all the like everything when they're on the the raft going down the side of the mountain. That's the score in the ride. It's all that. Yeah, you it's pointed great. that out. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, lots of fun. Lots of fun. Uh, uh, Crystal Skull is what it is, but where where original trilogy stands? Original trilogy. In I mean, this house. I feel like. Going to Dial of Destiny, it really made me appreciate just how well plotted The Last Crusade is. Because I think that there's a lot of reflections in both stories that they're really trying hard to be a Last Crusade. Yeah, I think Last Crusade is is the the tightest, and it's the the it's just yeah. It's, it's, it's the during the pandemic, the we went to a double feature at the. Tiki Drive-In, RIP, it's gone now. Mm-hmm. We went to a double feature of Raiders and Last Crusade. It was so much fun. Yeah. It was fun to see them at a drive-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Last Crusade was really fun to just sit down and watch all the way through. No distractions on a big screen. It was, it was a good, great time. But Temple of Doom, baby. <laughs> Shirtless Harrison Ford. <laughs> Mamie Gay. Absolutely. Defining moment of Will- my childhood. Willie Scott made mm-hmm. us want to... Did I maybe sing old standards in Chinese? I did guess. I maybe like uh, put my hair up in a towel and try to lip sync? <laughs> Anything goes, <laughs> maybe, possibly. Mm-hmm. Did I do that this morning? Absolutely. But um, yeah, it's probably probably about time to wrap this baby. Pete, up. This was a fun episode. It absolutely was. Uh, I loved I love talking about Indiana Jones. I love these movies. It's our summer blockbuster. Yes. Our summer blockbuster episode. <laughs> I do think is it, it time is for Patreon shoutouts. Time to talk to our Patreon. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, we want to say a great big uh, hello and thank you to all of our patrons. We've got some new and fabulous patrons. We want to say hi to, including Kelly, Chrissy, Stephen, Jake, Desiree, Adam. Uh, Chris, Andrew, Laura, Thomas, Brenna, Jessa Rabbit, Lawrence. Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Mark, Jackson, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jamel, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Muffy, Jamie, DS, Genevieve, Dawn, Joshua, Emma, Melly, Aaron, Jessica, John, 
Nick and Shannon, Christine and Rafina. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. The list keeps growing. Um, we are rounding out our RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. They've been getting a bonus episode every week. Absolutely. Uh, At the $5 and above levels, you're getting a bonus episode each week where we're recapping All-Stars. That's just about to end. So when that ends, we're going to think of some new television shows that we're we're going to be recapping. We're going to do some TV episodes. Maybe not an episode every week, but... But a lot more, a lot, a lot yeah, more, a lot more stuff going on, and um, yeah. So check out uh, patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. Uh, lots of really fun stuff over there. We'd also love it if you would rate and review the show. Um, give us five stars. Give us five stars. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can um, do a five star review, and we would love it if you did that. But, um, yeah, if you are on Apple Podcasts, you can write us a review, much like our good friend Bill Willie 60 who is an Apple Podcast listener. Uh, charming and funny. This podcast is like talking about movies with your funniest, smartest, and nicest friends. Aww. Scott and Pete's enthusiasm can make you want to even watch movies you would never consider Otherwise, five stars. I love that. How about it? We um, we love when people write great reviews like that on Apple yeah, Podcasts. I love that. And um, we'll read them on a future episode. So um, go ahead and do that. We would also like it if you would follow us on social media. We are at Movies That Made Us Gay on Instagram. Uh, we are still on Twitter, but follow us on Threads. Threads. <laughs> so, okay. So I was just like, there is no fucking way I am doing Threads. Girl. Get home that day, and you're like, I made it, bitch, we made our, th- <laughs> I made our Thread accounts. I'm just like, well, yeah, I guess I'm on now. You you have to be. We are, we are the nation's number one gay movie podcast. We have to be on, on the Threads. So they did switch it. We're no longer user- Five million fifty four thousand seven hundred and sixty one. We are now at Moose and Mediscay. Follow us on Threads. <laughs> on threads. I like the, I like for all of the brands on Threads. You can really tell that they put the gays in charge. Yeah. Of <laughs> I don't know. Like name a brand. They're like find our best gay. Give like, them Threads. Yeah. Find our best gay <laughs> that runs our social media account and give them the Thread account on their phone. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, we, we just joined on there so you can follow us on threads because as we know, Twitter is now trash and is only good for porn. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, follow us on all the socials. If you want to follow our personals, I'm uh, at Peter Lasagna on Instagram and threads. Scott Youngballer on Instagram. You can get linked to my threads off there and follow my letterbox. Yes, indeed. Well, until next time, all of our beautiful lovelies, we'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye.